A lot of this innovation is coming built into it now because it's based in the cloud. That small business doesn't have to be an expert on AI or machine learning because it's built into the product. Hello and welcome to The Growth Business, a business podcast sponsored by InCloud Solutions, the centre of excellence for mid-market ERP software business by design. I'm your host, Lucy Thorpe, and I'm delighted to be talking to a voice from the digital future. As I was preparing for this chat, it occurred to me we don't really need to have all those breakthrough conversations about cloud anymore, how to access your tech from anywhere, because so many people now get it because of what we've just been through, really. So it's all fast forward from here to an exciting future full of artificial intelligence and robots. So who is that man of the future? Who's going to help us to get there? It's Chris Gabriel, Chief Technology Guru at Sapphire Systems. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Lucy. How are you? Nice to be here. Lovely to have you. Do you agree then with that sort of thesis at the beginning that we fast forwarded through all those discussions about cloud and we've sort of reached the future, maybe even a little bit earlier than we might have done otherwise? Yeah, I I think we have. Um, I think what's quite interesting is we take the leaps forward and then we try and dismantle it all and figure out how we got here. Everybody wants to kind of break apart cloud and into the subcomponent parts. In reality, the world has leapt ahead massively. I think more than anybody really realises across industry, society, government. Um, And I think we're all trying to figure out how that happened without us noticing. I look at the 2010 to 2020 as the first digital decade. That was pretty exciting. The next eight years are going to be a bit of a roller coaster of, uh, of excitement, I think. So that's what we're talking about today. This is the conversation now. If you're in the business world, how do you translate that? What's it going to look like? What's it going to allow businesses to do? It's really interesting, isn't it? I, I, was, I was thinking about business strategy, digital strategy, IT strategy, and, and we still discuss those in different ways. And I think the first thing is I think businesses just need a strategy, right? And then how they accomplish that will then have different elements of digital technology, will deliver some different outcomes depending on who they are, what industry they're in. But the outcomes will be as transformational as organisations want them to be. And how you look at some born-in-the-cloud industries, some born-in-the-cloud businesses now, they've just embraced that fully and could never undigitize their business if they wanted to, right? They only exist because of those technologies. And then you've got the rest of us who are trying to move forward in, into that new world and, and harness some of those innovations. And the fascinating thing for me is it's, it's never as dystopian as anybody thinks it is. Genuinely, I would just have a business strategy and then I would figure out if I'm a manufacturer, what part digitization plays in there. If I'm a professional services organization, what part does digitization play in that business? And, and then how do I deliver the business strategy with the inputs of humans and systems and processes and technology now and digital technology? is the way we talk about IT um, because it's fancy, uh, but effectively how, how that's moved on as well. But the, the outcomes we see every day are, are, are becoming transformational, uh, both in terms of business, but government as well. And, and, and actually, that's a bit that always excites me. I'm sure I'll waffle about that in a, in a short while, but it's what can it do for my mum who's living in a care home with dementia? That's what I care about. And if you think about it in that way and work backwards, really is transformational, I think. But if you take my mum, what's going to change my mum's life? It's a social worker and healthcare worker being more efficient. And if that then says, how do I give them a digital assistant to help them do all the the paperwork that they currently do, and that makes them spend more time with my mum, guess what? Automation all the way. Um, So I think it's thinking in in a way, system design thinking, but, but doing it a little bit in reverse. 
61% of companies expect AI to transform their industry in the next three years. This is going to take a lot of commitment and a lot of vision. You're a vision guy. This is where you come in, isn't it? <laughs> Just to respond to that, if 61% of companies think AI will revolutionise their business, I guarantee there's another survey that says 62% don't know what AI is, right? So the first, first thing is, is uh, there's not much AI out there. There's lots of machine learning and intelligence. Um, you never see AI in movies that's good and positive. You will see it as, as a negative. But it can be really, really simple use of intelligence. It could be processing invoices without human beings sitting there all day looking at them, right? Um, and then making more and more decisions about what to do with that invoice. One of our businesses helps our CIOs operate IT using something called AI ops, which is the smart way of running big infrastructures, clouds and networks and servers and storage and applications these days. So our ITOM part of our group really, really helps CIOs keep their digital engine running really, really smoothly and well-oiled well and, and available using AI. It's quite subtle AI today. I like to think of a world for the next 10 years more augmented intelligence than replacing with AI, helping people do their jobs. And I go back to my mum. I just want the person who's looking after it to be as efficient and as effective in, in helping my mum as possible. If I can use AI to do that, fantastic. So I think we'll, we always end up with a blend of something. Let me give you a great example. I was looking at cars, um, car statistics, and there was a great line, I think, from the 1950s and 60s when automation was coming into car factories. And I think the head of uh, Ford at the time said to the head of the unions, look at all of these robots. We're going to replace all of your workers, all of your union members with robots. And the head of the union said, good luck. Will the robots need to buy your cars, right? In other words, <laughs> we need human beings to buy things. If you then look, take the last 10 years, the motor industry has become incredibly automated. But there are still something like 25% more people today employed in car manufacturing, motor manufacturing than there were 15 years ago. And the reason is we're going from petrol cars to electric cars. If you think about the automation in, in you know, the Teslas in this new world and the supply chains, far higher paid jobs doing the code. There's more code in a car than there is in a, in a jumbo jet these days. So the evolution of technology, creating these new models, I think is also a great opportunity for businesses to change the way they operate, but also in, in invest in new skills, invest in more capabilities and effectively try and harness intelligence, whether it's AI ops or whether it's processing invoices, all the way up to the really big cool stuff that we're going to see come over the next 10 to 15 years. And our job as human beings is to do it. So it is a good thing, not a bad thing, right? I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned the car industry because there is a bit of sort of deja vu. We can all sort of envisage those pictures of robotic arms coming down and sort of lifting apart onto the machinery line. Is it we're having robots part two now? Deja vu all over again, right? These things will come in, in waves. And then the, the, the bit that I think is really interesting and exciting, most of the companies, I'm working with a 20 million pound business at the moment on their digital strategy, right? And they are looking at all of the things that we've been talking about, machine learning, AI, automation in their business. But they're looking at it because their business is going really well and they're trying to accelerate their growth and capture market share. What they recognize is they don't have all the talent in their business to do it today. Um, and that, to me, creates a fantastic opportunity, like we you know, go back to the, the car industry, is it may not be people on the production line anymore. It's probably someone in a lab somewhere writing code for the autonomous vehicle. Higher paid job, more skills, more opportunity for the next generation to come through. At Sapphire, we're running, we run a program in schools in London in some of the disadvantaged areas. And the most more exciting I've been in a long time is we're going to run uh, automation, how to build a robot, how to build an RPA robot for both primary kids and secondary school children. 
and we're doing it to say, what do you think um, automation could help you with? Would it make you know, your playground nicer or would it help your grandparents or would it help you learn better at school? In other words, that next generation of job opportunities will be hopefully in some of these really exciting areas. And I think there's three things that really have defined the last 10 years. One is democratisation of technology. We've all got it in our hands and our homes and, and all those kind of good things. Secondly, personalisation through the use of data and, and, and learning and, and machine learning and that. And that's going to create some really interesting personalised stuff over the next 10 years. Things like personalised medicines are coming out. Maybe, you know, and all of that's going to be delivered by automation because the potential of doing this stuff is amazing, but there aren't enough humans to do it all. So you, so we, we need automation to, to augment what we do. So it's always deja vu all over again. The question is, can we harness it? Can we make something positive of it? And can we use it and create a great economy, but also an interesting society at the same time? You've touched on loads of the points that I wanted to raise, Sorry. actually. And I know no, that, that <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way to, to pull them all together because it's, um, I mean, maybe just to recap what you've said, it's about sort of harnessing the next generation, not fearing the robots, uh, thinking of it as positive and, and, and really communicating this as a, as a big old exciting opportunity, which you're going to be doing, aren't you, with some sort of masterclass events? What's interesting, we just ran a survey of some of our, Customers and, and Sapphire customers range from startup exciting businesses who, who need their first ERP system, for example, all the way through to major global brands that uh, everybody would recognize. 90% of them, and, and the small ones to the large ones, are thinking, doing, or considering automation in their businesses. What's really interesting about the masterclass that we're, we're running on some of these technologies is it's the smaller businesses that can harness this usually more easily than the bigger businesses. Bigger businesses are more complicated. They have more complicated processes. They have more structure. They have more of the things that they've done for the last 15, 20 years. If I was, you know, and I always go back to my, uh, my wife um, as a great example. She's an acupuncturist, runs her own business. She's fully digital and doesn't run any of it herself. Has got access to a bunch of different digital technologies from her finance and accounts to booking to uh, learning to remote consultation. So she's a small business, fully digitized. So in a way, the smaller the business, the more some of this new innovation is, is, is more readily available. And obviously, you will know, great example is by design from, from, from SAP, not to pick on a product. But a lot of this innovation is coming built into it now because it's based in the cloud. That small business doesn't have to be an expert on AI or machine learning because it's built into the product. And you're just going to see that more and more as well. Now, we are doing both. We're doing in platform and you know tech capability around some of this stuff but we're also then saying you'll also want to do that around it but super easily consumable um, you don't need to be an enterprise to have some of these capabilities and therefore when we talk about automation or you know, data scientists oh my god i need data scientists to do machine learning no you don't um, you, and actually the smaller you are you might be able to really give your business an edge by using it so i think the consumability of this innovation i will say you know, innovation and not being able to use it is the most frustrating thing in the world because you look at tantalizingly, is the consumability of the future is, is really uh, exciting for any size of organization. Our job is to help those customers use it, think about how they can use it, inspire them to use it, um, and then open those, those, those technologies up to them. But I don't think there's any, I'm going to be bold, I don't think there's any barrier to any business to use any of the innovations that, that are coming in the next, well, are here now or are coming in the next 10 years. 
I think that's a really important point, isn't it? I, re I really sort of get the idea that, that nobody's excluded. And actually, we're probably only going to be having this kind of conversation for another few years because in the future, everyone will just expect it and they don't need to be told that it's OK to, to want it. You go back to ordering a pizza a few years ago. It was brilliant when you could actually phone a pizza shop up and, it would you know, and then it would deliver it. Um, and then you've got all the Uber Eats and all those things, different apps now. And now you can see where the pizza is on the back of the bike because the bike is connected to the app and you can monitor the progress. Oh, I live in Newbury in Berkshire and, and, and we've got a famous local taxi company that's been going ever since I got here. And they've got an app now so you can monitor the taxi heading for you so I can see my pizza. And, and to be honest, if, if I couldn't monitor a taxi now, I'm not sure I'd ordered one because I really like to sit in the pub with, with the last bit of my beer, seeing how far the taxi is away before I walk out and get wet in the rain, right? If you think about think about that in terms of um, safety and all sorts of good stuff. So it, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the things that were exciting 10 years ago, uh, and in fact, who's not bored with Netflix and Amazon now? Because we've seen it all. It's given us all the recommendations of everything we could have watched, should have watched, might be able to watch. Um, actually, we're using terrestrial TV a bit now because it's nice just to sit there and not have, no, not have something. So yeah, the stuff that's exciting becomes consumable, becomes ready-made, built-in. And I think ERP, without going back to ERP, is the most exciting bit of that. I, I've heard the word system of record a lot. Um, it's not a system of record. It's a system of automation. It's a system of integration. It's a system of insights. It's a system of, of AI now. Um, so we, if we think about it in that new way, uh, we can embrace some, some really exciting uh, uh, innovation right now. Uh, and certainly uh, as we go forward, much more easily in the future. Absolutely. We used to think it was creepy that Netflix knew what we wanted to watch and now we're cross if they don't. So we, we really... I'm, I'm really angry at some of the stuff it tells me I should be watching because I'm thinking, why, why, why does, it, does, it, does it know what I'm... And it's interesting how Google Home always seems to know what you're thinking before you've said it, um, which is a bit scary sometimes. But um, yeah, it's... And, and again, I'm going to go back to... I'm going to keep going back to my mum. She went into a care home six, you know, five or six weeks ago now because she, she genuinely couldn't live with the dementia on her own. Um, something that would have allowed her to either stay home more safely, but something that could predict um, uh, what my mum needs in terms of care uh, before the care home knows it. Who, who on earth could think that's a bad thing? Now, the safety guardians, there's always going to be issues of data protection and safety or anything that, that, that goes without saying. But go back to, you know, if Amazon knows what I want before I watch it or Netflix, why, why not knowing what my mum's best care pathway would be um, because AI has, has done some of that. So I think that's that's the bit that companies have got to get right, by the way. I think in our world, in the in the, in the the ERP, in the financial world, actually it's really easy to predict some of those things that should be done because it's very regulated. As long as the rest of the world, um, uh, we can manage this and, and not become dystopian, you've got to think it, it's going to be an exciting ride over the next uh, eight years. And, um, and the reason I always say it's easy to do it by 2030 and not go further than that, is any futurologist who tells you anything different than 2030 is making it up anyway. So I think, you know, the next five to eight years, I think are fairly predictable in terms of what's going to go on. And I think it's easy for companies to see it, embrace it um, uh, and, and make value from it. 
And it also requires a certain amount from what you've been hinting at there of imagination. You said some things are very predictable that we that we want our technology to do. Um, some will require sitting down and having some some big thoughts and some imaginative thoughts. And I, I, I'm very admiring of the way that you use imagination and storytelling and a lot of kind of artsy based skills, if I might say so, which um, I'm a big fan of art skills. And I like to bring them together with with the technical skills. As, as, as I think you you know, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a frustrated writer, author, TV, film star, actor, thinker. Um, I would say to businesses when I meet them, think headlines, right? So go forward to 2025, 2030 and write the headline of what you'd like, you know, of your business or write the headline of, of your digital ambition and what that would look like. And if somebody said, what have you achieved? You know, what would be the headline? And then work backwards and then think about how technology, digital can help you deliver on that. I think is a really exciting way of doing things, right? So I always see a headline first. I'm terrible. Um, I always think of the advertising slogan first, uh, even if I see a product that's already got one, I can't help but do it. But if you think about it in that way, as long as you then get really, really capable people into delivery and not me, right? So <laughs> I put my hand up now is um, I'm, I'm, I'm a great one for a vision, but then you need a great team around you and the great specialists, for example, that we, we have within our business and make it practical. And some of these big ideas, great idea can't do it just now uh it's 12 18 36 months away you know make sure it's predictable have a couple of horizons for delivering innovation in your business you know it's not all we talk about it it's immediate and it's available of course it is right um but you still got to deliver it and you've got to institutionalize it and productionize it and make sure it's repeatable um you know one-off innovation as a proof of concept um is brilliant but if you can't run it every day as a business and use it every day it can sometimes break you um, so go through all of that stuff as well, right? I'm not suggesting it's magic wand here, but I think a great story. People love stories and storytelling and imagining their business and imagining what that could look like. And, you know, I don't think any business sits there and imagines their business smaller and worse in five years, but think about it and then think about some of the technology that's becoming available or what you'd like to do for your customers or your patients or your, your, your pupils or whoever it may be. Think about what they, you know, that would look like in five years and then figure out where digital can help. And it will in most cases. And, and you know, going back to my 90% of our customer survey said it, it, you know, automation was, was on their radar. 10% firmly said, nope, not thinking about it. Perfectly valid, right? Because it may not work in that business model. It might be something else digital allows them to, to, to achieve their goals. And there's such a big role then in making the technical approachable and conceptualising what's possible. You threw a question at me, actually, and I'm going to ask it back to you. What do you tell your kids or your mum about what it is that you do? Is that what you say? Are you a, a, a conceptualiser, a communicator? Um, I Yeah, as well as the last, with that being, uh, the last thing you want to say is you're in IT, right? And, um, and, and given I know, you know, uh, that our business works a lot with um, with finance teams, right? I'm not sure saying you're an accountant or a financial controller is the most exciting thing in the world. But let me be really honest, right? If you're a financial controller in a hospital, you help people get better and you save lives. Really simple, right? Um, one of my uh, colleagues, his wife is a surgeon. And, you know, her biggest issue about being in theatre is if the wrong instruments are in there, there's a supply chain involved in that. There's a process of ordering those things. Literally, if the wrong things are in there, I have to cancel the operation and start again. And that ultimately could cost someone their life. Think about that pack of instruments in that uh, surgeon. Is someone in finance, someone in supply chain, made sure they got there and they were the right ones at the right time. And that involved an ERP system. So if you provide an ERP system to a hospital, 
you are actually saving lives. I go back to you know the NASA janitor and in the 1960s when they were one of the journalists was looking at the space the, the mission to um, uh, the moon Apollo mission and they were stopped in the corridor and, and they had a NASA jumpsuit on it was a cleaning suit and the journalist said what do you do and they said I hey I put men on the moon right and the reason is is without clean toilets at NASA you're not going to the system break so I lived in Moscow for a while and I do try and convince my girls that I was a secret agent but they they know me too well to believe that could be possibly true those are the outcomes and I think I, and again I really strong in our business stop thinking of ERP as a system of record it's not it's a system of business it's a system of action it's a system of optimization it's a system of profit it's a system of digital transformation you know we do a lot in fashion and apparel for example I was looking at an example the other day from a, a US customer where they're using that ERP system to help them deliver a, a, a more regular transformation of, of their, their product lines so their customers get more fashion uh, more quickly on the shelves. Well, guess what? That's really exciting. Uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with being an accountant, and there's definitely nothing wrong with working in IT. But if you think about what you do in IT and what that means, it's always about what it means to the business and what it means to the outcome of the business. And I think if you think in that way, you'll also be more creative as well. And, and, and I think hopefully be more, be more excited than you already are about whatever job that you I would be very happy to see more communicators of your calibre, definitely, to conceptualise and, and to just share the excitement. Well, I'll tell you what, Lucy, I always say this. If, if we can't get excited about what we do, why on earth should a customer get excited about what we do? And likewise, if I can't get emotional about the fact that an IT system in North Wales is helping my mum live a better life, I think I've lost that connection between what, what we do uh, for a living and what that what that difference makes and you can draw a direct line between the two and a direct line when it breaks and and i think that's what i think anybody who works in our industry what an incredibly exciting last period we've had and if you can hold on to it what an amazing next 10 years that uh, you know eight years till the end of the 2030s we're going to deliver to the to so many industries and people i think it's super exciting and an erp system is not a system of record um it's a system of saving lives in hospitals or it's a system of educating kids in universities etc so think about it in that way. As you can tell Chris is very involved in getting more people excited about the possibilities offered by technology and has just hosted an event called Beyond ERP. I wondered what we could expect from future events under this banner. We're going to talk about automation, we're going to talk about data and machine learning, we're going to talk about creating rapid applications in businesses so they can um, remove friction from processes, we're going to um, you know, we're going to talk about um, things like integration, which everybody's going, oh, integration, is, is that really beyond? Oh, my Lord, I'm, again, going back to my £20 million business, um, they've got 38 different suppliers. They've got customers expecting to integrate into their ERP system now. If we can help them do that and create a simple integration model that allows them to connect to any customer at any time, that changes their business. So we're going to go beyond, we've got about six or eight topics that we want to go beyond in. But all of them have got to relate back to I'm a financial I'm a CFO, I'm a COO. Can I do it? If I can't do it, it's a great idea, um, but I can't implement it. And therefore, if you can't innovate to implement, um, it's a great story and it's great over gin and tonic in, in, a, in, a, in a bar talking about the, the art of the, the possible. What we want to make this is the art of the pragmatic. And I think if we get that balance right, people get excited because they can do it and it makes a big impact on it. Great news. Thanks, Chris. Do join Chris for his next Beyond ERP event hosted by Sapphire Systems. That's it for this episode of The Growth Business. See you next time.